afternoon, everybody. It's Andrew from Toon Talk Radio. Click the show tonight to go to www.toontalk.co.uk or call into the show on 0191 538 9781. Uh, remember, we're also on Nova Radio, so go to novaradio.co.uk you can also get them via the Google Play app so a lot of things have been going on with Newcastle United it's a one hour show tonight with one of my uh, return guests and Chris McCarty uh, he'll be with us in a moment so uh, obviously with regards to the last couple of weeks I've been in Australia watching Newcastle United watching a lot of sports to, to see how Newcastle has been getting on the massive result of course was, was Manchester United uh, that game was tremendous from start to finish. Uh, backs to the wall. We got at them. Just like a Newcastle United performance you want to see week in, week out. Uh, fantastic victory. And then from the jaws of complete euphoria against um, against Bournemouth. We're tuning up with 80 minutes gone. And for, for whatever reason, we, co- we completely collapsed. And they get a draw. And that takes us to Liverpool. So... I'll uh, bring in my main guest this evening, Chris McCarty. He's head of sport for ARN, host of sports tonight, weekdays, 7 till 9pm on Dubai Air, 10.38 FM, and a proud... <laughs> I can't even say the word. <laughs> proud Foxiparian. Good evening, Chris. How are you? A very good evening to you, Andrew. Yeah, proud Scotsman is what I am. <laughs> I think that's the easiest thing to say. It's nice to be with you tonight. <laughs> that's fantastic to have you returned back on the, on the show. So... Um, well, obviously, a lot's been going on with Newcastle United. What have you thought of over the season and how Rafa, with all the takeover talk, especially happening lately, what's been your thoughts on it? And obviously, a tremendous result against Man United and a bit of a letdown uh, against um, Bournemouth and, of course, their defeat at the weekend. Absolutely. I think, first and foremost, you've got to give an awful lot of credit to Rafa, honestly mm-hmm. speaking. I mean, there has been an awful lot you know, speculation surrounding your football club. Will they get taken over? Will they not? Mm-hmm. What the stats read, two defeats in their last nine. OK, mm-hmm. you've only won two matches in that mm-hmm. spell, but I think he's handled it very well, has Rafa Benitez. You, you are playing like a Rafa Benitez side, Andrew. I know you watch Newcastle probably a lot more than I do. I try and get as many games as I possibly can. And, you know, difficult to beat. The players know their jobs. It's not sparkling. It's not going to get you off your seat every week. But that victory over Manchester United, completely with you. Defensively, tactically, very good. What you'd expect. United weren't at the races. OK, you rode your luck a little bit. The, the new boy on his debut, the keeper, had an absolute worldie. But thoroughly deserved that victory. You, you sincerely did. And, you know, two defeats in your last nine. You've got some big home games coming up. And that's what I would say to you. You've got Southampton next time out. You've got Huddersfield still to come to St. James's Park. You've got West Brom. And they're all but down unless they start Pardew very quickly, as in the next day or two. I think West Brom look home and hose, and I think they, they will be playing championship football next season. So over the piece, Andrew, I think lately, I think Newcastle probably drawing one too many games. That would be the big mm. issue. But uh, looking like a Rafa side, I think you will do enough to stay in the division. And then let's hope, for everyone's sake, that, that Mike Ashley can find a buyer. He's reasonable with what he's asking for. And Newcastle can have a brave new dawn with Rafa Benitez at the helm. Give him some more cash and let him kick on. Yeah, I, th- I think when it comes, to, I must admit, I was just pleased that they stopped talking about it in the me- in the media, especially the takeover, because it was just getting very, very uncomfortable. Even as a as a Newcastle fan who who was desperate for the takeover, but 
obviously it start you know, with the end of the window. I think the window it was a typical window for Newcastle, especially the end of it. Um, I still believe that they've made a huge error in letting go of Mitrovic. What was your thoughts on him? Because, you know, obviously, well, I think they've been trying to get rid of him for a at least a couple of windows now. He's not a fan of his. And then you've got Mitrovic turning around uh, saying he didn't like the way he was taught to play tactically. Well, that just means to me that he didn't listen. Uh, well, well, I get from it that Rafa just doesn't trust him. Yeah. You know, he's he, he's a player that uh, I think he's good. He was good at Anderlecht, yeah. was Alexander yeah. Mitrovic, and you're seeing what he's doing. What is it he scored in his three successive games for yeah. Fulham? And he came out after the win at the weekend, a great win for Fulham at Derby County 2-1, and said yeah. that, you know, this Yukanovic side is, is built for me. It's built to go and play attacking football. That's not really Newcastle. It's not Rafa Benitez, is it? And I just yeah. wonder if there was a break, break of a breakdown in trust I think Mitrovic had tactical instructions, wasn't following them to the letter. He is a hothead, or at least that was the perception amongst Premier League referees. And I think Rafa was just let down, or at least he felt he was let down by Mitrovic one too many times. He trusts Gale, doesn't he? He trusts Perez. He trusts Yesily, who's obviously come in, and he clearly felt that he would he could allow Mitrovic to go. Big, it's bigger. I'm not, I wouldn't say a loss because he's not really added much to Newcastle. Mm. A huge game, though, for Fulham because they are getting the best out of him. They are playing a brand of football that is getting Mitrovic in the game. It's playing to his strengths. And there will be those Newcastle fans maybe listening tonight who feel, maybe, just maybe, that Mitrovic has found his level at the Championship. I still think there's a Premier League footballer in there. I still think he's young enough to prove that, Andrew. Whether it's at Newcastle next season, I have my doubts because I just think unless Rafa moves on, I think that breakdown of trust means he'll probably move on. And if Fulham come up, and they're the informed team in the championship right now, they're a joy to watch, so they are, then maybe they make that deal permanent and he kicks on at Fulham Football Club. Yeah, he, obviously, I think with, with Mitrovic, he, there's, there's definitely a player in there. I think uh, the, the problem is, I think he is very he is a young guy, and maybe that's the problem. He's got, a, he's got somebody in Johanovic at, at Fulham who's probably just says, go out there, play... Uh, you know, score goals, just, you know, do whatever you want to do. I think the, the way that Rafa uh, sets up the team, you know, you can only set the team the way you think you're going to get a result. And I think mm-hmm. um, that, that's the issue, isn't it? We want, like, to be honest with you, every time I watch Newcastle, probably the, that's probably the first time I've watched Newcastle and I'm, I'm basically enjoying the tackling, I'm enjoying the, the pushing, I'm enjoying the attacking football, the, the, the defending, because all season it's been well, we, that, that's the, that was the first win since October, and even even those wins at home we've had this season they've been excruciating to watch. And um, mm. yes, I think that the biggest thing though, Chris, isn't it? It's like we we brought in Slamani, and you know we're told by the press, oh, it's only a it's only a little injury, and then you hear the fact that he went to the hospital, and you we actually said he's going to be out for five weeks. So, you know, we're all like geared up to the fact that he's going to play, you know, give us a bit of a lift because he he'll, he'll give us an, an absolute, a massive lift because, the, but we don't know, that's the problem, isn't it? He's going to come back from a, like a thigh injury, you probably know better than me, but a thigh injury is not something, you you know, it, it's something that comes and goes, it, it can be quite a long-term injury, can't it? 
It can. I, I think, you know, I don't know the prognosis, so mm. I don't want to leap to any conclusions on that one. What mm. I would say with Slomani, he's he's proven in the Premier League. It's not as if he's coming in, because there's a couple, of, a couple of issues, I guess. He's coming into a new environment. Mm. So first and foremost, you've got to give him time to settle. He's not been going to give that time, or he's not at least putting the minutes in the training pitch because he's injured. So there's that issue. I think one of the issues that I, I guess or one of the points that negates that is at least he's coming from another Premier League club. At least when he does get fit, yes, it's a new environment in terms of the football club, but at least he knows the Premier League. You know, what is he, eight goals in 35 Premier League games, I think it was at Leicester. He's coming off the back of a a couple, three years at Sporting Lisbon where he just could not stop scoring. And I'm a fan of Slomani. Okay, he was struggling to edge out Jamie Vardy in that Leicester City team, but then you can't really, you, you can't knock him for that. Jamie Vardy's been an absolute world beater for the last few years so Slomani if you create the chances and he's, he's an old fashioned in the penalty box finisher I think the Newcastle fans if he is if he can get fit before the end of the season if he can get maybe the final four or five games I, I've got no doubt he'll score a few goals and, and I think the Newcastle fans will quickly take to him uh, you know what is he now he's 29 if memory serves me correct so he, he's not a young man he's an experienced professional footballer and he is someone who knows where the back of the net is. That old cliche, he is someone that can mm-hmm. sniff out the chances. And, you know, looking at Dwight Gale, looking at Yesile, looking at Perez, Slomani's the best, in, the, in my opinion, the best of the lot. So if you get him fit and through sincerely, I think you'll see a very good player there. And I think he is someone that the Newcastle fans are going to enjoy. Did you, uh, did you think, um, when, you look, when you look at Salou, I must admit, <laughs> you watch him play, it's... It's painful, isn't it? I, I remember when he when he came over, like they were saying, he had such a great he had such a great rate of scoring at Real Madrid. Like he scored every oh, every thirty minutes, some something like that. And the one thing that upsets me about um, you know you, you can't draw comparisons to Shearer, of course, but when it when it comes to Nataka, I can't understand. I don't know. What you, obviously, we'll get to Perez as well in a second. But like to me, a, fo- a forward should be a killer. He should have that mm. mentality that I want to hurt you. About the, like the ethos of, you know, Mick Quinn, and you've got Malcolm McDonald in my era when I started supporting Newcastle. So when you see killers who basically just want to score and really get at other teams, like the flicks and kicks by Perez, yes, he scores a goal once in a while, but you're up against Premier League players, flicks and kicks will get you nowhere. And the thing that surprised me about uh, both of those players is it's when they're in positions to really hurt teams, they don't pull the trigger or there's no animosity towards the ball. Probably a better word, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. you also lose a strange one for me. He, he jumped around a few clubs. You can almost compare him to a Jesse Hughes at Stoke City. He also came through at Real Madrid. Bojan Churchich as well, the other boy at Stoke, another Spaniard came through at Barca. They've jumped around a lot, haven't they? And when you see an awful lot, and I'm not for one second saying, you know, Harry Kane, for goodness sake, dotted around as a young boy and had a lot of lone moves, but when you see a player when they reach 27, 28, and they've had a lot of clubs on their CV, they've had a lot of loans, that tells me something that, that they're maybe good for a, for a little short period of time, and then quickly, whether for, for whatever reason it is, 
says, Andrew, that, that they're maybe found out a little bit. And in the case of Yacelo, you just look at his career. He's been at Hoffenheim. He's been on loan at Frankfurt, mm-hmm. Hanover, Stoke, on loan at Deportivo. He's jumped around a lot. I, I must admit, when, when it was announced that you boys had bought him for $5 million, I, it did raise an eyebrow because he, he hardly pulled up any trees at Stoke City in the Premier League. He is someone that, let's be honest, is going to get you five, seven goals. And, you know, they, they put a lot of premium on that these days in the Premier League. But for Newcastle, I think Slomani is someone, forget your five to seven. If he had a full season fit with, uh, with, with the boys either side of him, Atsu, Kennedy, Richie, he's someone that can get you 50. I've no doubt in my mind he is someone, dare I say, and I know he played for your rivals up the road, but he's a Jermaine Defoe-esque type. He, he's someone that could easy get 15 goals for you, and all of a sudden, 15 goals in that Newcastle team, that turns you from 15th, 14th in the league to, to a top 10 side, I truly believe that, so for me, I, I say watch the space, get them fit, Slamani, and you'll be very quickly forgetting your Yossalus, and, and to a lesser extent, Perez, he's, he, he drops back, he's in a little bit of a deeper role now, but certainly Yossalu, Dwight Gale, who I know has got a lot of fans, a bit of a polarizer opinion, but I think Slamani will be your number one, number nine, no question about that. Yeah, I think uh, I think when the you see the goals that he scored, he just looks exhilarating. He's like electric. Like he goes through, he goes through, he goes to the middle. He has the ball, and you, you kind of he has this un- uncanny ability to score. A lot of money for less to pay for a guy who's twenty nine, wasn't it? It's a bit of a, that one was a bit left field. I thought I must admit. But then you look at what he did in, in Sporting Lisbon. I think he's got a better record of a better a, a goal every two games, better than that. I think 48 and, and 85, roughly something about that. So he's, he's got a heck of a, or he did have a heck of a scoring record. That's why Leicester spent the best part of 30 million on him. Now, there will be one of those that say, listen, the Portuguese Super League is very different from the Premier League. But he is the player, you've said, exhilarating. You watch Slomani, his movement, it's just quite old school in the sense that he, he, he very much operates in the track. Line. He's a good header of the ball, right, left foot. He's just a goal scorer. He is a natural-born goal scorer. A lot of clubs took a look at him. It was Leicester that took the punt. You've now got him on loan. Whether Mike Ashley, if he's still around in the summer, is willing to dig deep, because I would imagine the way football's going, he's a goal scorer. Leicester would probably still look for... If, if, if not half, 15 million, maybe 20 million back for him. So it would be a huge investment. But, and I'll, re- I'll reiterate what I said, I think he's a player, Slomani. I really do feel that. Whether you boys think that's value for money at 29, that'll be a decision that Rafa and his coaching team will take. But get him on the pitch. All I can say is get that thigh injury sorted. Make sure he's rehabilitated. Make sure he's 100%. And then let him do the talking on the field. Yeah, I think... Um I think that's been obviously the main problem, isn't it? I think we've been so worried about getting any striker in. The thing that seemed to perturb a lot of people, and it upset me especially, that on the Tuesday uh, you hear that Benitez has actually had to beg, beg Mike Ashley to bring in a player. And obviously it was quite pointedly saying, I want players in by the 21st. They didn't come in. You know, it's, it's high-stakes poker, isn't it? When it, The fact that he mm. thinks he can sell it. But the fact that he couldn't sell it, this is obviously I get your I want to get your take on it. But imagine he looks he wants to sell a club and he he sets a date. To me, Mike Ashley, that's the date you've got to go for. You can't mess around. At the end of the day, it's money. But to me, as soon as we went past that December date, because he's he's no he's no fool. But the fact that he's given this date. You know, means it could it could have gone it could have gone two ways, couldn't it? On the twenty first of December, um, 
whatever, whatever. I think that, I think that was the date he wanted it sold by or by by Christmas anyway. He could have done two things, couldn't he? He could have said, okay, if it's not sold by this date, I will take the club off the market. And that's the thing um, with Dubai. You know, you, you hear by various contacts like Neil, especially uh, when with him being there, but um, saying that it's you know there's more. There's more vibes coming around that area that Newcastle could be bought by this by Amanda Amanda Stavely. Well, with Dubai and the you know the 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 oasis the oasis that it is for football clubs to go there, it would be pretty big for Dubai to to have this type of club, especially as it's the last bastion of um, probably the, the the biggest clubs in Europe. Well, biggest club in Europe, certainly potential-wise, mm. undoubtedly Newcastle United are, are one of those. You just have to look at the attendances, you know, the the, the, the club size, the fan base. It's got all the hallmarks of being mm. one of the biggest. Unfortunately, right now you're being held back by a chairman who is done at the football club, is an, an owner that he has stated numerous times that he's, he's done, Andrew. He doesn't want to be there. For, for him, though, and I take your point, I think it would have been good for everyone involved, including Mike Ashley, mm. if the club, was sold back in December, but I'm not privy to those conversations. I keep my ear to the ground over here in Dubai, and, and Amanda Stavely, from what I'm told, didn't feel that the, 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 the blocks were in place, that the, the, the deal made sense for her. She's obviously a part of a capital group. She's got different investors looking to go buy into that and buy into the vision. So in many respects, it, it's, it's not a bad thing either. Okay, you don't want Mike Ashley, and the, the the majority of fans don't want Mike Ashley there. But you've got to make sure that the new owners coming in, the same mistakes are not are not made. So let us hope we can only trust. And I can't believe I'm using the word trust here with Mike Ashley in the same sentence. But we can only at this stage trust him, hope that he is genuinely genuinely wanting to find an owner who wants to take this club forward and that's what we need we don't need another Mike Ashley that's looking to to, to turn on the tap and take money out of the football club and, and look for it to meander along we want an owner coming in that has the club and the fans best interests at heart that want to go and tackle the big six you have seen the money that's in football now with exorbitant sums the new TV rights deal okay it's not going to quite reach the 5.18 billion it's not going to be far off it so there's still money there there's an opportunity for an ambitious owner to come in and kick Newcastle on, kick them on. But then again, to temper it, we saw Everton. They've attempted to do so. They mm-hmm. got, didn't have their house in order. They bought and purchased poorly. So it's all good and well seeing you've spent money. You've got to do it. There's got to be a system. There's going to be a strategy, an ethos in place to allow you to purchase players that are genuinely wanting to play for the football club first and foremost, but have a style and fit the mantra, fit what you're trying to achieve. Everton didn't do that. Look at them. They've got Sam Allardyce in charge. So Newcastle, yes, a new owner's great, a new owner with money, but you've got to make sure that structure is right at that football club. And let us hope Rafa Benitez has implemented that. So once you do get the owner, whoever that may be, Amanda Stavely, another consortium from the Middle East or elsewhere, let us hope that they are very much with a Newcastle first mentality to then allow Rafa Benitez to go spend and build around that structure that he's put in place at that football club. Yeah, I think uh, when it comes to the, you know, the, obviously we heard tonight that one of the uh, Bob Monker, who's who's part part of the Newcastle board, uh, actually left the board and he's, he's going to stay on as a um, ambassador to the club. Um, the the one thing that probably I'm looking forward to when when the takeover happens, I think when it comes to money, uh, when it comes to TV, were you surprised that um, the, the 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 amount of money that 
it was less than last time because obviously a lot of talk um, that it was going to be more. But the thing is, they're going to make so much money from the the outside rights anyway, aren't they? From abroad, NBC, uh, Dubai, etc. So they're not going to be like losing money. But I think the her bid was on the basis of that. Probably she didn't think that, that there was going to be a bigger outlay on the on the rights. So and plus we still got rights that haven't been uh, auctioned off. So the, the amount of money that's um, uh, involved now, uh, maybe. The amount of money she put up front uh, was probably the the right one, but uh, you know, I, you know, talking to people in the in the area, especially online and at work, uh, everybody thought the amount she put down, irrespective of how much she thought the 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 club was worth. Like I, I thought it was, comp- you know, you're gonna you're gonna buy a massive club like Newcastle United, you're never gonna you're never gonna get it for a a, a pittance. He's, he's always gonna push the button to get his, the highest figure. Absolutely, yes, and, and he's right to do that. I mean, obviously there'll be fans that will say that that's nonsense, he should be selling up quickly, but, you know, he bought the club, he is entitled to, to put a figure on that, and if Amanda Stavely does not come up with that and, and tick all the boxes in his checklist, then as the owner of that football club, like it or not, he's within. He's entitled within his, um, you know, remit to, to reject that, and, and it's interesting you, you, you talk about the, the domestic TV rights, and you're right to say the likes of NBC in the US, being sports he, here in the Middle East, will add to that. They'll Top it up to the tune of what three billion, give or take, uh, give or take a few hundred million. You know that that's it's it's going to be once again about eight billion all told for the next three years. But football is changing. The way we consume sport is changing. Uh, I find it interesting that the likes of Facebook, Amazon, that they yeah. backed away from this round of negotiations. The time will come that they will enter into negotiations. And you know the Premier League. I know Sky Sports over in the UK. They are all not worried. Let's not say that they're not that there yet. But they know that they. Need Need to evolve as a company because the idea now that people pay big money on monthly subscriptions that is changing. You know, people are now continuously. Or Sky Sports were reporting that an awful lot of people now are, are, are turning off the newer generation. It's all about mobile phones. It's all about tablets, and the way we consume sport is changing in front of our very eyes. So I think the Premier League has done well. It's the conversation we have time and time again, isn't it, Andrew? Where and when does the bubble burst? I've no doubt the bubble will burst at some point. We can cannot continue to go the way we're going. It's just pricing out at the, the every man and every woman in the street. There will come a time where that bubble will burst. It's going to change. I think this is the last of the traditional broadcasters spending big because it's a lost leader. They're not making their money back on all of that. What we are going to see in the next three, four years, though, the Amazons, the Facebooks, the YouTubes, the Googles, they're going to get involved and the landscape will change. Whether it's as to the sums of money we've seen in the last few years, that remains to be seen. I think uh, that the football to me it's interesting because you obviously watching the big game yesterday but when it when it when it comes to watching football like I watch mine on a phone I watch it on a tablet um and then you the, the, the issue seems to be that the the standard of football is going down because with with playing the big teams even the top teams are afraid of uh, being beaten by three or four nil uh, in the league, to me the league is suffering. Like I actually don't even watch match of the day. I don't watch it because if I'm if I'm in America, I get to see um, that channel, and I get at half time, I, I can see every single goal going in. And mm. thing, so in England, you would think you would be able to watch it at any time a goal goes in, it flashes up on your phone, it flashes up on Twitter. If if you're logged into it. You should be able to see it. 
and that used to help me oh. as a per, you know I don't what's that, what's it like in Dubai is it the same thing have you got to wait or no no not at all we, we're very fortunate over here being sports is, is the big one that's now obviously kind of the, the biggest and best network in the world is what Richard Keyes tells us or at least that's his opinion every single weekend but I mean it's now been piped into Australia it's piped into Canada the US France and here in the Middle East and it's, it shows every single 3pm game so we yeah. get the choice here so I mean it's perfect if you're a Newcastle fan you don't miss a Newcastle game if you're a, a Liverpool fan you don't need to miss a Liverpool game so we're very fortunate over here it's just unfortunately the broadcast rights deals over in the UK means that you're wedded to, to specific traditional uh, constraints you know the, the 3pm game is, is still a massive tradition I must admit I don't think there's enough games still at 3pm on a, on a Saturday that was what I was brought up with going to games you know I live northeast of Scotland it was always Pataudry Aberdeen popping down there 3 o'clock on the Saturday that, that magic's been lost you just look at the FA Cup now you know with the changes in 1920 season with the, the fifth round now going to be midweek Weeks. I mean, the FA Cup is diluted. Part of the big problem with the FA Cup is, my belief, there's too much football. You know, yeah, the, the FA Cup exactly. is a magical period. You know, it's, the problem is we're seeing too much in our television screens. Yeah, I must admit, I don't watch, to be fair, I don't watch it. Um, you know, that, like yesterday, yeah, I watched the game, I, I watched it at work and, you know, a little bit of it and then come home and, and then watch it mainly again. But, you know, the, the days of watching, well, remember, it used to be three games on it on a, on a weekend one after another and it's just it gets too much and the thing is like it, it was funny to me though that when Amazon were very like I must admit a lot of a couple of journalists actually who said oh the Amazon are definitely coming in they're going to be bidding for one of them and uh, it would make sense wouldn't it for Facebook and for Amazon to do it I think Amazon I think Facebook would blow it out of the water because the amount of people that are on Facebook um, you know the amount if you've got a chance to show a live game, my goodness, the viewing figures would go through the roof. And especially YouTube as well, you can imagine, because if you're in any different country, you if you want to watch the match, yeah. you should you should be able to watch it, you should be able to watch any team you want, wherever you want in the world. And obviously you've got NBC who, who were free for a long, long time. I, I used to love it, because the great thing about being in the US, you can watch it, and if you're, if you're angry at the result... By by twelve o'clock in the afternoon, you're all, you, you you can kind of get over it a little bit, you know. You have time to fer, fertilize it, and then you, you can go out for a couple of beers, and at least it's over with. In England, you you know it's five or six o'clock. You're going out, it's still in your mind, it's still in your on your conscience, and you you, you can't. It takes a lot to get over it. Plus, obviously, if they win, it's it's a far better uh, situation. Mm. But um, for me, watching the football, it's de- there's there's a definite problem with the fact that there is too much football and plus it's going to help um, a lot of things with the winter break what's your thoughts on that because the winter break people are just saying well they're just going to play friendlies in Dubai and get the water you know get the nice heat but I think people need to realise footballers need a mental break as well don't they Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, honestly speaking, I think that the winter break's a good thing. You know, all the other European, the major European leagues do it. The accusation for a long time now has been that 
you know, England and, and to, to the other home nations arriving. Not that Scotland often get to big tournaments, but mm-hmm. the accusation, or, or at least the, the the thought, was that players were ending up tired and, and a little bit too lethargic getting there. Not so now. I think with this winter break, that will be implemented 2019-20 season in February, which I think it's wise because mm-hmm. I do. I think everyone loves the festive football period. It's just it's unique. There's no other league in the world that quite does it like the Premier League and, and like uh, the UK around the festive period so I'm glad they've safeguarded that but yeah undoubtedly it's the wise move that they've been cute with it as well that there'll be no droppage in football we'll see one weekend I'll have five matches this is the Premier League I'm talking about the following weekend we'll have five matches which means all teams will get the very minimum 13 days off so that's a time to, to come out to the likes of Dubai whether it be to other warmer climes Spain or whatever and, and just down tools for a little bit bit of R&R and that will stand the players in good stead for the running whether you're battling for the title top four place relegation and it will also give the players if there are a major tournament at the end of that season it will also give them a chance to just recharge the batteries every other major league does it Italy Germany Spain they all do it so why not the Premier League it's taken us a while to get there we're finally going to have it and I think it's a good thing because what they have taken into consideration they've taken into consideration the fan and all of this so that there are games across the weekends they're also taking into consideration the player so it's a win-win for both yeah I think when it comes to the uh, you know when it comes to the relaxation especially with the World Cup if our players uh, unfortunately for Scotland they'll probably never get there but when it comes to the English players at least they've had some kind of break and on a but it's not like it's going to be like in in Italy in Spain uh, you probably know more than me they get they get a long time off they they get is it two or three weeks they get off I believe yeah, yeah two and a half two and a half weeks the boys in Spain they'll close down and I mean a lot of them look to cash in so we've seen in, in the last couple of years I was commentating in a match a few years ago over here Real Madrid against AC Milan that was a friendly obviously both sponsored by Fly Emirates Emirates Airline so they came out they did an exhibition match so it's a chance isn't it it's a chance yes for a bit of R&R a bit of sun in the backs not that the Spanish boys really need any sun in the backs because they live all year round in sunshine over in Spain but it's a chance for them to get away new environment relax a little bit see some new sites and also keep one or two of the sponsors happy and I think to be honest with you Andrew I think you're going to see a lot of teams do that a lot of teams will look to yeah, okay give the players a break but they'll also look to, to tick one or two boxes with their sponsors they spend huge money to, to be plastered over the strip on the stadium whatever the case may be so it will be an opportunity for these clubs to tap into yet more commercial streams to, to slap themselves on the back a couple of more uh, you know more times and I think that's another area that you might see that one or two sponsors may may have a word to say oh you've got 13 days off please pop on over to whether it's Hong Kong China India UAE Qatar wherever the case may be and do a little bit of work for us actually the, probably the one thing I'm surprised at that with Newcastle um, have you heard any rumours that they could come to Dubai because it would make a, a lot more sense of the 21 days because uh, there's, there's a long layoff till uh, Newcastle play I can't remember the team they're playing after after they play at Huddersfield, isn't it? But um, uh, have you heard anything about the fact that they could could Dubai because it would make, no, it, not, it make perfect not, sense? I've got some good contacts out here and, and we, we've seen Everton were here a couple of weeks back, i got to be very honest and say that I, I, honestly I didn't hear too many flattering things said about a certain Sam Allardyce. I, I think <laughs> uh, if it was a betting man, I don't think he's at that football club next season, honestly speaking. Um, so we've seen a number of clubs here 
uh, over the piece. Manchester United were here, what, six weeks back. I got to sit down with a few of those boys, and they loved it. Uh, the Nadal Sheba Sports Complex, which is owned by the Crown Prince, Sheikh Hamdan, it is a facility, honestly speaking, second to none. There's nowhere in the world that has a facility like it. Real Madrid have been, Dortmund have been, United, Everton were up there, as I say. We've had AIK Stockholm, Shakhtar Donetsk. There's a lot of clubs who come here. They roll out the red carpet for these clubs, and you know, speaking to an awful lot of individuals across those clubs, the, the, the feedback instantly is just a case of, wow, this is, this, we want to come here. It's great to put in the preparation. We're hidden away. It's a chance for us to get our heads down and, and do some proper work on the training field. And uh, w- With regards to Newcastle, I've not heard anything, but that's not to say that something isn't afoot and that we may well see them over here. Uh, relegation battle, let's be frank, you're in one. Okay, you're, you're, you're not in the bottom three, but let's hope that if you are coming over here that it's, it's to do some hard graft because you boys have got some huge games coming up and as we've seen with Everton, they popped on over here and they've had a couple of shocking results since going back. We've seen it with Stoke in the past. Stoke would come out, they'd use the facilities, went back and had a couple of shockers. So you've got to get the balance right. And I think for Newcastle and for the Newcastle fans that I'm sure are listening tonight, you want to make sure the boys are, are still still with the, the, the mind on the jobs and, and not frequenting the, the numerous, the thousands of night nightlife spots that, that Dubai has to offer. Yeah, I must admit, I, I, on, my way, on my way to Australia, I did pop into... Um Dubai for a couple of hours and it, everybody that, you, that goes there it's a beautiful place and um, it, there's so much to do as well the weather's fantastic I think uh, the, the interesting thing on Sam Allardyce I'll touch on that one it's probably the first time he's went to a club and they haven't kicked on every time he yeah, goes I mean, to a club he kicks on what's the issue well, with that? They, they, yeah they had a good start didn't they four wins mm. in his first four wins in a draw in his first five if memory serves me correct got a good result I hate to remind you boys but got a good result <laughs> up at your gaff St James's yeah. but what I'm hearing and certainly judging his body language I, I get the impression honestly Andrew that, that mm. England was his Everest England was the job mm. that he was proud to get let's be honest about all of this I, you know, I've got my own opinion on, on how he was, was dealt with there but mm. England was his Everest that was the job that made him the most proud losing that and again I, I don't want to bring Sam's professionalism into the conversation here but yeah. I, I think losing that job hurt him and hurt him hurt him a lot honestly speaking and I just wonder if I just wonder if I mean Everton's a big football club no doubt about that but I wonder if a little bit of the spark's gone in Sam I really do and I just wonder if Bevy going through the motions a little bit Craig Shakespeare I've heard the sessions he was putting on were excellent really good coach uh, Sam you know big or little Sam Lee with big Sam mm-hmm. I mean you know they're experienced football men but I think Everton have I've had a shocker this year Koeman couldn't knit in the signings I think the signings were imbalanced you know Sigurdsson Rooney Klassen all very similar players I think the recruitment policy needs to be looked at I just think they need to go in a whole new direction this summer and unfortunately I say unfortunately I'm sure Big Sam will be given a big payout and he'll be off to probably this part of the world again to enjoy some sunshine again but you know he I've got a feeling that Everton will say thanks Sam thanks for steadying the ship but in order for us to to really go and try and compete with the top six we need a younger uh, kind of a manager with with maybe different philosophies a different outlook to try and take that Everton club uh, Everton football club to where they feel they belong, and that's inside the top six. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a, you know it's a huge conundrum, isn't it? Because obviously Rafa's been like Joey Barton has been talking about um, Rafa going to Everton, which I 
think probably could have should have happened earlier because the five million um, clothes that Rafa seems to have on his mm. head, uh, I was quite surprised didn't go for it. Obviously, Newcastle fans have been been horrendous, but um, it would have kind of made sense because his family's from there. But he loves Newcastle United. It was never going to going to happen anyway. But it's interesting that Barton is uh, chirping up and saying that, isn't it? It is. Uh, I mean, I was shocked, honestly. Uh, after Cumin went, I thought Rafa was a stick-on because of, yeah. of said connection with that particular part of the world. Yes, he's a Liverpool icon, a Liverpool legend. He's loved at that club. But, yeah, I did think Everton was a, a tailor-made in many respects for Rafa. Yeah. I think that boat might have sailed now. I think yeah. Everton will, will still look at Marco Silva, who's out of a job from Watford. Yeah. Uh, I think Mikel Arteta, who I'm hearing very good things about yeah. with regards to his work at Manchester City, uh, you know, spoke to Pep we were at Birmingham at the Belfry last summer and, and Pep spoke very eloquently as he always does but he spoke in depth about Mikel Arteta and said even he was impressed he is a he's a proper footballing man Mikel so watch this space for that one I just think Rafa I, I've got my I've got my doubts about David Moyes long term and I know Rafa's yeah. been linked with West Ham in the past so look out for that one potentially but I think you're right Andrew I think if if Mike Ashley can find a buyer and a buyer who comes in and, and I, I think that's the the enthusiasm someone with enthusiasm I think that's the injection that Rafa Benitez needs and and if and if it's a good owner if it's someone that really wants to kick Newcastle on I think the future is bright and I think Rafa will, will stick around if Mike Ashley doesn't sell this summer then I think Rafa's a big enough man to, to walk out of that football club with his head held high yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for coming on, Chris. Chris, been a fantastic to get you on. It, the, the time's just flown by. I, I do appreciate because I know you've got a, a busy schedule, and we'll talk more because eventually you're going to have to hire me to work at Dubai. Yeah, <laughs> I've been telling you this oh, on that WhatsApp. You need to listen. You need you need to do something about it. <laughs> Absolute pleasure, Andrew. I will get you on my show in the not, maybe in the next few days. Actually, I tell you what we'll do. If Newcastle come out here. If you can keep me in the loop and you tell me that they're here in Dubai, I'll maybe right. track them down and I'll get you on the show, okay, Mama? All right, sounds good. Okay, I'll look into that. Thanks very much. Thanks, Chris. It's been an absolute Great pleasure. Stuff. And uh, we'll speak again soon. Take care. Thank you. Top stuff. Thanks, Andrew. Cheers, mate. Take care. Ta-da. Bye. Well, that was great chat with Chris McCarty from Dubai 1038 uh, in Dubai. Absolutely fantastic knowledge. You can't beat that when you when you have a guest on the show. The fact that he he knows everything and everything that's going on in that area. Very interesting stuff, and it, that that means I can bring in my next guest this evening, Chris Parry from the United States. Good evening to you. How are you? Uh, good evening. I'm doing just fine. That was a, I enjoyed listening to him. Yeah, very good. I think it's it's always uh, interesting to get um, you know different perspectives. Obviously, I've been in Australia for a couple of weeks, so. I've been a bit out of it, so um, you know, coming back and it, it, it revs my engine up as well because um, I think when it comes to when it comes to them with with everything that comes to Newcastle United, and there's, there's so many different things going on with the, the media. When somebody knows everything about football, for me, it's just it's just really refreshing. And obviously, with the last couple of weeks for Newcastle. We've had ups and downs as ever. Obviously, you can't beat the Man United result. I think you're. I think we're all still on the high from that, no matter what's happened the last couple of days, <laughs> couple of weeks. Sorry. No, no, you're right. I mean, it's 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 funny. It's it was um, it was kind of infuriating to watch Newcastle play in the first half because it just showed, and we've said this before that you can set up defensive, but you eventually, once you get the ball, you got to do something with it. And, uh, and it just seemed like, you know, they had a couple chances, uh, Lejeune with the free kick and, 
you know, here and there. I mean, I, I would have loved to see Dwight Gale have taken that, you know, the taking that one time, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when the, when the ball got finally played up to him in the first half. But once Liverpool got on the front foot, it was pretty much, wouldn't you say it was pretty much done and dusted? I mean, it, uh, they just kind of controlled things. It was the first time really since, I would say, since Chelsea FA Cup where Newcastle just did not look at the races. They, they played hard, don't get me wrong. They went at it, but you could just see the massive gulf in talent. And, and we've been saying that for a while. We've been saying that for I mean, Steven Gerrard basically came out, and he said it does. He said that you know, Rafa Benitez is trying to win premiership, premiership games with the, champions, with the championship side, you know, against mm-hmm. the Premier League side. And, that's, uh, and there's a huge difference. And I thought, I mean, you know, Steve, I thought that pretty much said it best when Gerrard said that. Yeah, I think um, it was obviously. It's been, I think when it comes to Newcastle and the, these these pundits, I, I, it was just refreshing, wasn't it, to watch that that Man United game? And it was a true Newcastle United performance from start to finish. You you know you, you felt that we're you know we're we're in the game we're all the time, and yes, they had chances, but just the fact that that you know we are Newcastle United, we 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 made, we decided we, you know it was going to be our game, and even from the even before the game was the, the match started, you had to sell, you know, ourselves the captain saying, you know what, they make more money than us, but we're going to give them a game on 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 Sunday, Saturday, whatever it was, and uh, you know, it, at least it was probably the first time that you know you watched that game this season, and it, and, it, and it felt really good. I think, as I said to to Chris, it was it was um, you know normally well you know this from you know it's been pretty hard to watch Newcastle this season, and uh, even against Bournemouth. Um, you know, we should win that game. We win that game, even losing against um, Liverpool. It's still not. It's still good. We're, we're, in, a, we're in a good. We're in a good spot. And uh, yeah, that, that throw it's brutal, I, Andrew. Because yeah. Andrew, it's brutal. You're right. Because if, if you told you and I before the Bournemouth game, like we'd have taken a point. We'd have taken yeah, a point. But exactly. the fact that they just blew it the way they did, and and, and constantly giving up goals at the mm-hmm. end of halves and at the end of games. Mm-hmm is just killing us. But, you know, like you said, I think that goes on. I think that comes with experience. I think that comes with guys being switched on, the, you know, for the entire 45 minutes and injury time. I think that comes with just stamina. And, you know, Newcastle doesn't have a very big bench. They just don't. Usually it does seem like whenever, whenever Rafa goes to his bench and, uh, and you know, in late in games, it doesn't seem to be working. It doesn't seem to be helping. I don't think he has much of a choice, though, because he's got to take these guys off because they're tired. I don't think he's really doing tactical changes, or he's trying to. But um, you know, Marino looks completely different than what he did at the start of the season. I think uh, his injury and the fact that he just has not had as much success has been hurting him. Um, and of course, you're seeing uh, you're seeing Mitrovic score goals for fun down Fulham. But I don't know. If, I really don't know if that. You know, I thought it was pretty telling what Mitrovic said when he. Um, he came out and said that, you know, I really didn't get in. I just didn't like the structure and, and the tactics. Yeah. Well, then you're not going to like Rafa Benitez because that's what he is. Yeah, I mean, um, if you just want to just go up there and beat everybody up and try to score goals, well, that's what Mitrovic is made for. But Rafa's all about tactics, and you do it this way, and we all do it this way. And that, I, so they definitely did not. They, they, I don't think that was a match made in heaven, Andrew, at all. And that's probably why, uh, you know, Mitrovic is off. But it's uh, – I'd be interesting to see if Slomani is going to be uh, is going to be healthy in time for Southampton. I don't think um, so. I'm not sure. I don't think so. I, I don't not. think he's no. Just, it, normally, the fact that he did, if he was in training, we've got a great. It's a great chance, but 
he's not even in training. He's he's, he's more or less in the gym. So uh, with Rafa, you need you need to have at least a week's training to get, you know. But if you look at it this way, normally he plays players, but then he brings them off probably sixty minutes, sixty five minutes. So Samani isn't going to be on very long, even when he comes back. So because he'll gently ease him in, but because uh, you don't want him doing, you know, making the injury worse. So. Uh, I think what Chris said is right. He says, you know, we're, we're going to have a player, hopefully when fit, he could be the game changer. And, you know, when you look look at the way that we played on, on Saturday and, um, you know, we need, like, you know, Dwight Gill needs help because, you know, the, you can't see Perez, like Perez is going to come in and come in and come out. You, Joe Salou is going to be the same. But, you know, you know this, this Saturday, there's going to be two, there's going to be two up front. He's either going to play Joe Salou with Dwight Gill because it's such a big result, but you know, with the way things are going, can you can can I see Newcastle winning two home games on the on the spin? Of course not, because we're just not. They're we gonna, don't play that to, way. I mean, well, of course, Tottenham's going to be difficult, and yeah, because you know, they look like they're flying. Here, you know what I thought was interesting, Andrew, and I thought this was really telling, was mm. how bad Chelsea, mm. what it, what Chelsea did against Manchester City. Now I can understand Newcastle setting up defensive against Man City because Newcastle is a clear gulf in talent. But for Chelsea to go down there and basically park the bus and they've got all of this talent and they were the champions last year. I thought that, I thought that was ridiculous. Either win or lose, go, 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 go try to do, I don't, to me that really, uh, I'll tell you right now, that right there, that's, that bodes bad for soccer. That bodes bad for football in England. When the number three, you know, when the team that's in the top four, top five, goes on the road and basically tries to play for a draw um, and doesn't even really try, and they have, they have all of this talent, that, I, that, that, that to me, that to me kind of, I, what do you think? And to me, I didn't like that at all. It was awful to watch. And I think that this is going to be the problem. Um, with the, with the, the other teams that spend a lot of money, a lot of teams are just thinking, well, you know, it's 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 too much. We 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 can't we can't cope with this, and even the big teams. But I, I think Conte has set himself up a little bit. This this is the the problem. Chelsea is a problem club. It's always been a problem club. There's a reason why they go through so many managers. That's the way they are. That the players' the mentality is not to fight for the manager. They'll give it a go for about 12 months if if it goes well. But it, there's a cancer at that club. But maybe it's a a cancer. It's definitely a cancer of their own making. If players think they can just go to the owner and say, "Oh, by the way, Mr. Bramovich, um, I don't like this, that, and the other," well, you know, <laughs> they, they win things, but you don't want them to win things. They're not like a, at least with Man City when they when the way that they play, it is nice to watch, um, but you know they've become the untouchables, a bit like Bayern Munich in in Germany, and that's why Pep went there because he had a clear philosophy what he what he wants from his team. The thing is, Newcastle United might be that next option too with, with, with Rafa and the takeover. So, you know, there, there's lots of positives for Newcastle to think about. Nothing's going to happen with regards to anything uh, until the end of the season. Um, but yeah, with, it's, all, it's all about staying up. It's all about it's staying, about staying up. up because I mean, they, need be, they need to beat Southampton. They need to, they need to, I don't really care what position they finish. Just stay up and let's, you know, all of us can start worrying about um, about next season, of course, the World Cup and whatnot. For me, the World Cup sucks because the United States isn't in it. But it'll be—I'll still be able to—I'll still watch it. But now, um, 
it's something else too. And I, I, I don't know. You follow you and I are Twitter buddies. Someone, an Arsenal fan, made me so angry that I just went off on the Twitter. They were complaining, boo-hoo, the Arsenal's so bad and this and that. And I was like, cry me a freaking river, man. How many trophies has Arsenal won in the last decade and a half? You know, how many times have they been in the Champions League? Newcastle's been relegated twice in the last, what, eight years? They're scrambling. They have an owner that won't spend any money. They've got a great coach that won't be back. And, and, and they haven't won a trophy since 1961. I don't want to hear anything from any of these clubs and any of these fans about how, oh, woe is me. You know, the, our, t- our team is not our team is not very good. I just, I just, I'm sick of it. I'd love oh, to man. see. I think Newcastle would embrace, and Newcastle would embrace a top seven side like nobody's business, just like Newcastle did before. They, I mean, yes, there was. We like, we would like to kick on and try to try to make a Champions League spot, but we were thrilled to be up, you know, up there with the, you know, with talking about the big sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, I think um, that that's the issue. Is it's always going to be until until Newcastle become what they should become. Uh, you know, when it comes to Arsenal, they're, they're probably the biggest joke in football. I think um, when it comes to Arsene Wenger, when Arsene Wenger won the FA Cup, he must have known. And I think it's, it doesn't matter what's happened this season for me. He should have known as a mature person. Well, it's a good way to go out. Because these fans are going to keep on coming. If you go to Arsenal game, they're quiet as a lamb. And, I'm, and there's, a, there's a reason why at Highbury it was called the, the library. They don't say anything. They've got no passion. They, they, they might go to the matches now and say Wenger up, Wenger up. Because they think they deserve to be in the top four to be challenging. Possibly they do. They've got enough money to do it. But again, it's their owner. But they, they've got twice as much money as Newcastle United. I've got no sympathy for them whatsoever. They're a joke. They're, their fans are a joke. Their manager deserves a bit of respect. Uh, but he's gone on too, too long. And uh, it's, it is painful to watch it. I must admit, you, you, know, it was a, you know, when you look at Bobby Robson, where he was treated at the end, and you look at Arsene Wenger, Arsene Wenger still got, like, he's, he's a fit person. He, you know, he, he could probably go anywhere he wants, but deep down, I was staggered. I was stunned when he didn't when he signed on for another two years. He's more or less sticking the knife into them by saying, "Well, listen, I'm the man in charge, but you, there's there's no way they'll sack him. They can't sack him because you know until the end of the season, they're still in the UEFA Cup. They're, they're not going to qualify for the Champions League unless they win it, aka like Man United." So there's still possibility for it, but you're right. They are completely and utterly a disgrace to football, the way they've conducted themselves, especially the fans. And, but you watched them yesterday. They've made that player, who I think is the biggest non-entity in, in football, yes, he's got skill in Ozil, but you know that guy's being paid 600000 a week. <laughs> Please, come on. That team needs to be moulded into a powerhouse. They used to be a powerhouse because he made good decisions to get rid of players who are taking the club as far as they can. He's now going backwards. He's not, he's, you know, you can't go in half time and say, patty cake, patty cake to your players. You've either got to rip them apart or get rid of them. And he's got rid of a few, but there's no plan B with Arsenal. They, they can't even go along anymore because um, they've, they've sold one of their better players. So, yeah, Arsenal, I can't believe I'm talking this much about it, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, they, they are what they are and, um, 
just got to, you know, next season's a big season for Newcastle and for them, and we'll see how it goes. But, you know, I think in sport in general, when it comes to when it comes to Newcastle, uh, I think it would be interesting. It might be a, a political faux pas, Chris, but I did mention to Chris uh, from Dubai Air at 10.38 that, um, you know, the Newcastle should go to Dubai during the break. You know, the, the <laughs> but when you look at the other managers that have gone to Dubai and they've come back had terrible results, it might be a good idea, but it could be a political situation. The fact that if Newcastle go to Dubai uh, with a takeover, it could be... You know, it could be a political thing because with uh, Amanda Staley being there. Yeah, no, it's um, they need to get this sorted. On, uh, hopefully, they do before the World Cup. Hopefully, um, the one thing I don't want um, Newcastle United to do is to buy the flavor of the month from the World Cup. You know, just because someone plays well at that tournament does not mean that they're going to play well in the Premiership. I mean, it's been yeah. proven that, uh, that that's not the case. So, but, uh, yeah, get a result against Southampton. I mean, really, the sky's not falling. They've lost to Liverpool and Man City. I mean, let's, give it, let's pump the brakes here. You know, they've either, you know, they've either drawn or they've gotten results against everybody else. So uh, they, just, they just need to, they just need to kind of just you know, stay the course. Uh, I, I don't know about offensively. It's, uh, it, does, it does seem like, I don't know, it's just – it's a, it's frustrating to watch them right now because the guys you can tell are giving all they have and that's all they have and they yeah. just, it's not enough to stay up at this level. But I'll tell you one thing: what what Chelsea did and what some of these other things, what these other teams are doing against Man City, I think is a disgrace. Um, yes, Newcastle did. Yes, Newcastle got hammered for the fact that they played defensive, also scrapping for their very life, and they can't afford for goal difference. It does not matter to Chelsea whether they win one. Three nothing if they've lost yeah. five nothing. It would not matter in the grand scheme of things. And I think it's a, such a disservice. I mean, you see teams like this. You see LeBron and Cleveland. Sometimes, sometimes they get beat by twenty points. Sometimes they win by forty points. You know, they but they go out and they give it. They go out and give the fans a, a match. Can you imagine if you were a Chelsea fan and you went to the Etihad yesterday and watched that? I mean, that was that was that, that was that was pitiful didn't make any sense to me so obviously i'm going to bring in my next guest this evening before they wrap the show at around seven uh it's uh, lee johnson uh, from chester Street. good evening lee how are you you're live with me and chris parry how are you good you i not too bad not too bad it's uh obviously i've been away for a couple of weeks uh, um I, I suppose you've been euphoric uh since the Man united game but then obviously we draw against uh bournemouth when we should have won it and then you got a liverpool game so being a Newcastle fan, it's a tough business. And uh, what have you thought about all of it? Because I know you took you went to the match on Saturday in Liverpool with your, your with your boys. So it's been uh, an interesting last couple of weeks. And you know, we after even after this week, we've got a, another big wait to wait before the next game. Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I think uh, taking out the Liverpool game, I think if somebody had offered you four points out of Man United and Bournemouth. Yeah. You would have certainly took it uh, before the game, before ball was kicked. But obviously, going into the last ten minutes of the game against Bournemouth, tune a lot. It, it seems like a missed opportunity for two points. But mm. I'm not going to look at it as a negative. Uh, like I said, if let's say we drew two-two with Man United and beat Bournemouth, everyone would have thought, "Get in! This is great four points." So we are picking up points, and if we continue to pick up points the way we have over the last eleven games, where we've only lost to Man City twice and now Liverpool. 
we will in the next 10 games stay up this season in my view um, so yeah, we're doing fine we're doing fine it's just um, a little disappointed that Slomani's come in not being fit mm-hmm. and things like that but I do agree to a certain degree about the comment that Steve Gerrard was making over the weekend um, about that. If we didn't have Rafa Benitez, I don't, I don't think we would steal. But I just think we're, we're tactically, we're tactically well organised, we're disciplined. Even on Saturday, Andrew, I thought we played well up to 40 minutes. Liverpool were playing in front of us. We didn't really give them a lot of shots. Can't remember the, the goalkeeper. Obviously, the, they attacked where we sat first half, and I can't remember ever being worried about anything Liverpool did. And then. Yeah. They got a free kick. We should have had a free kick. Uh, a few of our players stopped playing, and then 20 seconds later, the ball was in our back of our net. And I was a bit disappointed with that because it was a big turning point in the game. Because you go one 0 down, and you have to change the way you play. But you know, it's all about these next two home games. I mean, I know there's a 21 day, a 21 day break after Southampton mm-hmm. on Saturday. But if you can beat Southampton mm-hmm. and you get three points on the board against Southampton, knowing that in 21 21 days. Later, you play Huddersfield at home, where pretty much, if you win those two games, you're going to get the 35 points, and you're nearly there. So Saturday is absolutely huge, and I just yeah, we can't think we can't think ahead. <laughs> you can't no, no, when it comes. No, I'm about Saturday. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Yeah, that. I'm talking about Saturday. If you can go, if you can go and win on Saturday, mm. and then you have that 21 day break where maybe you get the likes of Somani available because he would give the team a huge boost if massive, he's on the bench and things like massive, that. Massive, isn't it? Yeah. The fan think, base, the, the fan base on Saturday, yeah. it, they need to replicate what the noise was like against Manchester United. This is bigger than Man United. This on Saturday, massive. This is massive. This. And they, and the one thing, guys, the one thing they can't afford to do is they can't afford to get down on the guys if mm-hmm. if if things are not going well early. Absolutely. If they're not just jumping on them and scoring a goal, stay behind the team the entire match and get the victory. It doesn't matter if it's one nil. You know, it doesn't. I mean, it really. Let's be honest. I, the one thing that I think, and I have a problem with it too. I've had to work. I've really had to work on it. It was much worse last year when Newcastle was in the championship, and I was getting ticked off that they weren't all over, they weren't all over somebody. But seriously, it doesn't matter what the score is as long as Newcastle comes out victorious. So hopefully, the hopefully the the, the fans and the, and the crowd at SJP will just stay with the guys regardless of what the score is. I th- I sense actually, gentlemen, that he's going to play Joe Salim. Um, I don't know what the reason behind that is, but I know that uh, obviously the two goals that uh, Dwight Gale scored was were, were good to see against uh, Bournemouth, but uh, I do fancy him. He'll play uh, Joe Salou and possibly Gale up there uh, until until we we have until we have Slimani and a direct threat up there. I think we're just we're just waiting, aren't we, for 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 some kind of? But I think because of the break coming up, and I, I do think they should go away. To Dubai of some of some area, just just to get sun there back, you know, you know, not I suppose give give them a mental break because you can, you know, the the weather here has been absolutely torrid. I came back on Monday and God damn, it killed me, killed me coming back here, but um, <laughs> it absolutely killed me. I tell you, I, I left snowing and I come back to the to, to, to beast. Back to like the worst weather the UK's experienced in years. <laughs> Thankfully, it's heading to the US, I believe. <laughs> But like, I must yeah, say, the nor'easter, the nor'easters take right now. Right, I mean, it's rained so many days here. I still got on the golf course at least once. But yeah, it's uh, it, it, well, you know, in Texas, guys, there's a saying: if you don't like the weather, wait six hours. I mean, in mm-hmm. Texas, it just changes so much. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, no, I, I feel bad for you guys. You guys are getting a, you guys are getting hit hard right now. Yeah, we it's actually stopped. 
it's got stitched up now, but I believe there's still a bit left. But I think um, when it comes to this weekend, who, who just I'll first ask. Um, obviously, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I've got John on the line now at the moment. I'll get to him in a second. Good evening, John. Thanks for coming to the show. Uh, I'll get to you in a second. Um, so, what do you think, Lee? Who do you think will play up front? And I'll ask Chris the same question. I personally think he'll go um, quite similar to Man United. I think Gale will play up top. To be fair, Andrew. Um, I just think that Southampton's not a Southampton's not a team that I would would worry about. How can I put it? I don't think they're dominant in the air or anything like that. I think if you get a they're a football inside, they try and play football. So I would imagine we'll try and get the ball down and try and get in behind them and things like that. So I would imagine Dwight Gale will start up front with possibly Perez in behind them. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure about Perez, be honest with you, Lee. What, what do you think, uh, Chris? No, I agree. I mean, I think it, he's going to try to set the team up the way they played against Man U because um, and and they got the results. You know, they, they got what they needed. They rode their luck a little bit at the end. We all know that, but it doesn't matter. They still got the victory. And I don't think you can go wrong with the same, with the same group of guys. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if LV is... Uh, if he's eligible, or if he was, if he was unhealthy, or what happened, he's not why, he didn't, why he didn't play against. So that, some some breaking news there, lads. I've just read there, which sounds quite good, quite promising. It's just a, it's Craig Holt from the Mail. He said, understands John Joe Shelby, Shelby will return to training this week and begin some running today. He has avoided serious damage with a knee injury, but he uh, bone mouth last month. Good news from Newcastle. He makes a big difference when he's on his game. Can't believe you screwed yeah, me. Yeah, you know what? Okay. John, he, he was fantastic. He was fantastic, <laughs> except for just the end. Uh, yeah, I'm just reading that now. Diomi's been excellent together. Yeah, like, I must admit, the more I see Diomi, that he looks good, doesn't he? Um, I'll be surprised that um, Shelby plays, considering that he's been having injections for his groin. What? What? what I'll bring in John now before we have to end the show. But John, what was your thoughts on that uh, breaking news that broke by Lee with regards to Craig Hope? So. Um, we'll talk about that and then what your thoughts have been the last couple of weeks. But, John, uh, that's good news, isn't it? Uh, about John George Shelby? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, we missed him on Saturday as well. But, I mean, it's just real to see him back, really, because you can do it in big time because we need creativity in our midfield. And without John George, we got no one who can create fun in the midfield. And that's the problem. And we missed that on Saturday, big style, because um, we were lacking in that. They went in the first half, though. I agree with you on that. But once the first score went in on 38 minutes, I thought I accepted a beat really because um, Liverpool are just really strong form and just been exciting for that. I think uh, the one thing I'll, I'll say, could you not play Marino uh, in a free role with Shelby and um, Diarmi in midfield? Because y- y- he's the type of person that would you know, make that pass um, especially if they're just if they're just managing his injury, Lee, and I'll ask the same of Chris and then to John. What do you think, Lee? Is that a good idea? Do you think? Well, I've, I've, always, been, I've always been I've always mentioned the notion about playing um, <coughs> playing uh, Marino in the number ten uh, role, um, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing him there. But mm. he has really, really struggled since that back injury, Andrew. I think that's affected his game. His mobility looks like it's been well, it's low. I mean. Back problems are difficult to deal with. I, I have problems with my back and it's a nightmare and it does sometimes affect your mobility. So. But if I was going to see him in any kind of role, I, I would like to see maybe Shelby Jarmy behind him. I think, I, I think that would suit him maybe because he's very good on the ball, he can pick a pass and things like that. And it's a, I think it's a, it's a good option. What do you think, Chris? 
No, it's um, it's I I think that they've shown that they can play. I would like for Marino to, you know, turn back the clock to whenever he first showed up to Newcastle. That'd be great. I mean, he's he's not playing with the same gusto and whatnot. He's definitely not playing with. He's not putting the passes like he did back then. And that's the yeah, I know that's kind of guys. Kind of I really don't care if they roll out you, me, and and Andrew <laughs> out there. You know, out there to play. I just want him to go out there and get a victory. Just go out there and get the get the result. This is a huge match, exactly what John says. Um, I mean, uh, it, it it is. It just it has to happen. They've got to get three points. John, what do you think? Would you put, would you take a risk and play Marino, uh, especially with Southampton rocking up and not in very good form, and you know they they could look to sack their manager too. It, it's a big game, big week, but it's a game for big players and. Obviously, John Joe coming back by the looks of it. I think we have to wait and see on that. I'll be amazed if he plays. No matter, no matter the fact he's going back to training, I'll be astonished if he plays. And I think Marino will start. What do you think, John? Um, I have to agree with Leon on this one as well, but since there's a back injury, he hasn't really seen him play out this moment in time. And I've noticed that he gets knocked off the ball and pushed off the ball quite easily. And um, he has nearly cost us a couple of goals. The one against Leicester, he's cost us a goal. He nearly didn't have to see him on Saturday. But I just think he needs to beef up a little bit. I think he's going to be a good player. But he needs to beef up a bit. What's he? Six foot three. He's yeah. like a, it's like a vehicle. Six foot three. And he can just walk up, sort of thing. We're going to have to see the player. But we're going to have to wait till next season to see the real Mikel Marino stand up. But at this moment in time, when I play as a number 10 in the mid, um, I probably have to say no because um, I, I just think he gets knocked off the ball quite easily and I just don't think um, he's been the same place he's had that problem so nah I'll keep him as a sub if John Joe comes in yeah but I'd be, I must, I'd be surprised if, uh, if if John Joe comes straight back in it's you know he's, he's had a week off but uh, give, give me a score I'd leave it and then I'll ask Chris then John Um. Oh, I'll go. I'll go positive two nil Newcastle. Interesting, uh, Chris. I'll go two one. Two one, yeah, because you, you always expect Newcastle to. Stop having to get the penalty kick, but it doesn't matter. Newcastle still wins. <laughs> Great stuff, so, John. Um, just Newcastle, but only just. I'm going to say two one to Newcastle, but just for our goal, can I just say yeah. something very very quickly? Yeah, it's very, very sad because I think, uh, you know, if you're going to go, that's the way you want to go, I think. Um, but it just shows you the difference in mentality, uh, John, yeah. and I'll, I'll ask this to the, uh, Lee and Chris. As soon as that guy died, all the games in Syria are cancelled and they've also re, uh, re-upped his contract so his family uh, gets, you know, funds for the family moving forward in the future. That A player dies in England... They don't cancel all the games. They play the game. No, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, it's really it, far more I'm sensitive, the, yeah. Andrew, there's a difference there, and I'm going to say this. In Italy, Italian football is more like a family, right? They respect. And market respect. And this is why this league, in my opinion, 
it's the best league in the world. I know we still don't agree with that, but I agree. I think the best league in the world for sort of technical ability, the skills, that sort of thing. But in the Premier League, right? They want the games to go on. I'm slow. They don't care. I mean, yeah, all yeah, this and I'm sorry, Andrew. I just think they need to. <laughs> and also, quickly, I did. I did a Twitter post on the Newcastle United um, Twitter page, right? And um, mm-hmm. I did. I said, could you just please, please make a respect to um, the story that Sadie passed away, and he never even mentioned it. And how mm-hmm. sad that is. Yeah. What do you think, Lee? Is it interesting that the different, <laughs> I think, the different I think mentalities? Lee, yeah, I think he makes a fair point. Because at the end of the day, I had to, because the game was on BT on Saturday, it was never going to get cancelled. But really, um, I had to take a snowplow down Anfield, so uh, had to had to hire a snowplow snowplow to get out my street to get to Anfield. But you know, I didn't, to be fair, well, you live in the posh area, though. Hello, no wonder. <laughs> you know, to be fair, they, they don't they don't they don't they don't think they certainly don't think about the fans in this country. That's no, no, definitely one hundred percent true. Yeah, I don't. Chris, it's it's it is when it comes to the Italians, they're very, you know, they 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 see they a lot of their everything about the way they play, the way they conduct themselves, um, like even Conte. Uh, obviously, I didn't know this at the time, but the only thing he wanted to talk about was the fact that this young gentleman had died before the the, the match against Chelsea when Chelsea played. But you know, he's got a job to do, and you know. I think um, when you look at the Italian league and the English league, like people say the English league is the best in the world. That's not true. It's never. I, I think that we have good games sometimes, uh, Chris, but it's definitely not one of the best leagues. It's one of the best leagues in the world, but it's definitely not the best. I mean, I don't know, guys. To me, in, in, in the United States, there's, there's absolutely no second to the Premiership with regards mm. to viewership, with regards mm. to advertising dollars, with regards to everything. I mean, the MLS is doing its best, and I, and I think it's getting better and better and better. But there's a reason why NBC Sports Network and and, uh, and NBC and all of these, uh, you know, that they had a bidding war for the Premiership again. I mean, it, it is what it is. It is it is the most exciting league, and there's no question about it. And I'm thrilled to be a Newcastle United fan. I just like I would just really like in the next coming years to actually get some benefit and some enjoyment out of it. What do you guys think, huh? Yeah, I, I agree. What do you think, uh, Lee? It, you, you just want to watch it and really enjoy it, don't you? Oh, God, I. I mean, the, the only ticket in town for us to move on is this crack the club. And, you know, I mean, even if we did steal, Andrew, you know, the, the club's future in terms of moving forward, the uncertainty is going to just continue on. Because mm. I, I, I don't personally see Benitez staying. And why would you? He's been let down. He's been massively let down. If he keeps... <clears throat> And he keeps this group of footballers up. He should get manager of the season. He's done an unbelievable job. With his hands tied behind his back and all the stuff. And dealing with all, dealing with all the politics behind the, behind the scenes well, as well. Well, it's ridiculous, so. man. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah I think, John, when it, that's the problem, isn't it? It's like, I, I'm, I'm pleased that the take of a talk has, has basically shut up because it's going to shut up because there's, there's, they're not going to come back in until the end of the season anyway or until they're actually safe. But the, 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 the thing that struck me was that because the deal wasn't bigger than what Ashley expected, the, the money she's put down is probably right. But at the end of the day, she's going to have to, she's going to, have to put in at least 50 million more anyway. Um, she, you know, I think she knows this anyway, but um, I'm just glad the backstabbing's ended. 
go along with that. I mean, if she really wants that club sort of thing, and um, I'm sure they got the 50 million somehow. If she really wants that club, she would put the extra 50 million on top sort of thing. She really needs it that badly. All she has to do put the 50 million up at the end of the season. We're going to be safe this season. I can guarantee you we are going to be safe. We're going to win four more games before the season starts. Trust us, guys. But I hope that if she buys the club, there's going to be one hell of a party, guys, which we're never going to forget. And then we can enjoy the World Cup. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to be invited. Right. I don't care what it is. Get us up there. I'm going to run the show because I tell you something. It's going to happen, my friends. It's going to take off. It's going to happen. And I hope Rafa steers with Newcastle, no matter what. Yeah, last year's contact because without Rafa, guys, there's no Newcastle. Exactly. Well, thanks very much, John. Thanks to, to Chris and thanks to Lee coming on the show tonight and my Thank main you, guest, Chris McCarty. And we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, lads. See Leave you next week. Cheers, lads. Cheers, lads. Thanks, lads. Ta-da. Ta-da. Bye. My main guest this evening, Chris McCarty of Dubai Eye, Dubai Air of 10:38, and also my other guests, including Lee Johnson, Chris Parry, and John, um, in the show tonight. Remember, if you want to download the show, just go to iTunes, just type in Tune Talk, and you'll be able to listen back to all the shows that we've done on all things Newcastle United and other sports as well. It's been quite illuminating all the things that happen with Newcastle and other sports and sometimes movies. <laughs> uh, so get in touch. Remember, we're on weekly on the show, to, even to call the show. It's 